0: Good afternoon everyone. Today was an historic gathering and I welcome Dr Kelly as well to be with us here today, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer. An historic gathering of the first ever National Cabinet, uh, bringing together the Premiers and Chief Ministers of our states and territories, uh, together with myself, uh, as a part of the national response, a coordinated national response to the spread of the coronavirus here in Australia. The Many things that we have to do to continue to contain the spread of the virus here in Australia goes across both federal and state governments and so ensuring that we are working incredibly closely together, that we are highly aligned both in the information we're receiving and its understanding and the actions that we need to take is incredibly important as we implement the measures that will keep Australians safe uh, into the future and ensure that we come through this together. It's always important to be extremely clear and upfront with Australians, and that's certainly what we've sought to do as a government. I commend Dr. Kelly and and, uh, and Dr. Murphy, who have been doing an outstanding job and providing regular briefings to the Australian people about the issues in relation to the coronavirus and to their state and territory colleagues as well, who have been providing that information. As you know, the national campaign Public information campaign is is out in newspapers and televisions and things today and social media. It has already been in place now for several days. That was put in place and initiated several weeks ago. Several weeks ago I announced that we were putting in place and activating the Australian Health Sector Emergency Response Plan for the novel coronavirus COVID-19. We commenced that plan with the initial phase, and today the National Security Committee met before the National Cabinet, and we have moved now to the next phase, which is the targeted action stage, and there are a range of decisions that were taken today that reflect the change in where we're heading. The facts and the science, the medical advice, will continue to drive and and support the decisions that we are making as a National Cabinet, as indeed as a Federal Cabinet at the Commonwealth level. But the truth is, Uh, that while many people will contract this virus that is clear Um, just as people get the flu each year uh, it is a more severe condition than the flu but for the vast majority as I said last week um, for the majority around eight in ten is our advice it will be a mild illness and it will pass however for older Australians and those who are more vulnerable particularly those in remote communities and with those with pre-existing health conditions it is a far more serious virus and that is our concern. Our aim in all of this is to protect the most vulnerable, the most at risk and I want to take you through again the decisions we're taking today and we have been taking. We know that the virus cannot be absolutely stopped, of course not, no one can do that but we can slow the spread and we anticipate that will be what our task will be over about the next six months. No one can know for certain how long this will run. It could be shorter than that. It could be longer than that. Uh, but the measures that we're putting in place as a, as a government is making those types of assumptions, but that is being updated on a daily basis. Now, what I have here, this is, there are a range of different scenarios that are pulled together by modellers around the country, and none of them is a prediction. All of them just simply show uh, the possible spread of the virus, And what that can mean ultimately, we work through things like ICU beds and ED presentations and GPs and so on. If you don't take measures um, that seek to contain the spread and mitigate the spread, then you have scenarios that look like this. You have scenarios where you get a very severe peak on the spread of the virus. You may move through it much more quickly, but what happens is the virus reaches more people more quickly, and that puts maximum pressure on your health system, and that obviously has far more drastic implications uh, for the most vulnerable in our community. Now that's, the extent of that peak depends on the rate of transmission you might see. In some countries where there's a much higher rate of transmission by any one person, then the peak will be higher, um, and the, 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 the impact will be more severe. But in other scenarios like this, it is still significant, uh, but it can be less in terms of how, how many people it reaches. The job of our plan. The job of working together is what we call to flatten the peak and to get this result as opposed to that result. What we're looking to do is manage the flow so we suppress the demand on our health systems and ensure that we can continue to provide the care that Australians need. In this sort of scenario, which is what we're working to achieve, This means with some changes to the way that um, that, uh, ICU departments are managed and things of that nature, the advice we've had to date and the excellent work that's been done by the Chief Medical Officer working with the states and territories means that that can be dealt with. It doesn't mean there won't be busy times in our hospitals. It doesn't mean there won't be stresses on the system and there won't be days where patients will be required and there won't be frustrations. It's not what it means. What it means is If we continue to manage the spread of how the virus impacts in Australia, then we will be able to ensure that we can continue to provide the services and support, particularly to the most vulnerable Australians who are at most at risk from the coronavirus. So slowing the spread, you free up the bed. That's what happens when you get this right. And we've seen other countries going down this path. Australia has also been going down this path and the way we've been managing everything from travel bans um, uh, to the way we've had quarantine arrangements in place and self-isolation, these arrangements have been ensuring that the number of cases we've had in Australia up until now, and they are growing now, have been kept well below what we've been seeing in many other countries. We have a first-class health system here in Australia, but no hospital system on its own um, can deal with this at its most extreme position whether that's in the United Kingdom or anywhere else. And last night I had the opportunity to talk uh, to Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and we were talking through these very types of scenarios. And and it was uh, important for us to be swapping notes on those issues as I was with Prime Minister Ardern yesterday as we discussed the arrangements that uh, she put in place yesterday in New Zealand, and indeed we have been considering ourselves. We're going to have to get used to some more changes in the way we live our lives over the next six months or so. There will be further uh, intrusions. There will be further restrictions on people's movement and their behaviour. But the point is, you do it in a timely way. You do it in a managed way. You do it in a careful way. Just because something is not necessary today doesn't mean it won't be necessary in three weeks from now or three months from now. Just as something we're announcing today wasn't necessary two months ago. Today, as the rate of community transmission starts to pick up, then new measures are put in place. And what you simply do, as I'm explaining, as you put these new measures in, as you see these curves unfolding, then you can flatten the curve as you move forward. Some places, schools, workplaces, others, will make various decisions along the way, and they can work off the best advice that they have available. Um, Australians are smart people. They're common sense people. Uh, Occasionally, in, in recent weeks and months, We've seen some examples not of that behaviour and that's regrettable. But for the vast majority of Australians, they're common sense people and we have to rely on their judgement as well. The government can't manage every hour of your life and tell you what to do every hour of the day, but we can ask you to listen to the information and make your best judgements as you care for yourself and your family and, and those around you. We're relying on that Australian spirit of looking after each other as we get through the difficult months that are ahead. Today I now then want to move to the decisions we've taken consistent with the plan that I've outlined to you. First of all, the National Security Committee met before the National Cabinet today and we resolved to do the following things. To help stay ahead of this curve, we will impose a universal precautionary self-isolation requirement on all international arrivals uh, to Australia and that is effective from midnight tonight. Further, the Australian Government will also ban cruise ships uh, from foreign ports from arriving at Australian ports uh, for initial 30 days and that will go forward on a rolling basis. The National Cabinet also endorsed the advice of the AHPPC today to further introduce social distancing measures. Before I move to those, I just want to be clear about the travel restrictions that I've just announced. All people coming to Australia will be required, will be required, I stress, to self-isolate for 14 days. This is very important. What we've seen in recent recent weeks is more countries uh, having issues with the virus, and that means that the source of some of those transmissions are coming from more and more countries. Our bans have been very effective to date, and what this measure will do is ensure that, particularly Australians, who are the majority of people coming to Australia now on these flights, Um, when they come back to Australia, their self isolation for 14 days will do an effective job in flattening this curve as we go forward. Similarly uh, the arrangements for cruise ships will have the same effect. Uh, In specific cases where we have Australians on cruise ships, um, then there will be some bespoke arrangements that will be put in place directly under the command of the Australian Border Force to ensure uh, that the relevant protections are put in place. Uh, We're seeking to assist Australians come home uh, by ensuring that the flights continue to run. Uh, But when they come home, they'll be spending another 14 days in self-isolation. And uh, so I've covered also the issue of the cruises. When it comes to social distancing, I want to read to you key sections of the advice that were provided today um, to the National Cabinet. Uh, The AHPPC believes that social distancing measures are now required and will need to be introduced progressively to reduce disruption. Uh, this has the most benefit in delaying transmission. The AHPPC advises, as we flagged last Friday, uh, that in general, non-essential gatherings of more than 500 people should not occur. They also advise that at this early stage uh, to prevent the, um, not to prevent the operation of essential functions including schools, universities and workplaces or prevent the operation of public transport. However, the principle of social distancing should still apply in these settings. What the has advises is for static, non-essential gatherings of persons, that they should not go ahead if there are more than 500 people who would be in such a gathering. Now, what do I mean by that? A static gathering is when you're sitting, as you are here in this room, um, for prolonged periods that would occur at a stadium, it would occur in a a theatre, it would occur in in events such as those where people are together in close proximity um, for a sustained period of time. Uh, The advice is that those gatherings should not continue at that scale. Uh, The AHPPC advisers, and Dr Kelly uh, may wish to touch on this, but that includes how you can mitigate those events. If they are in much larger rooms, that obviously um, reduces Uh, the risk. If uh, the gathering is outdoors, in much more open gatherings, well obviously that reduces the risk. There are a lot of common sense principles which should be fairly obvious I think, and the way people respond to those I think will be very helpful. So what the National Cabinet has agreed today is that we will adopt that recommendation and uh, we will be preventing. non-essential static gatherings of more than 500 people occurring across the states and territories. The states and territories will be moving to put in place um, the appropriate arrangements under their state-based legislation um, to ensure that that is supported. They'll be doing the same thing in relation to the self-isolation requirements of Australians and others coming to this country by air to support the decision of the National Security Committee. Now, that legislation is a matter for the states and territories. They'll be working on that promptly. Um, But from here on in, from Monday, it's important that uh, people act in accordance with that advice. Now, the obvious question is, is how would that be enforced? Well, the states and territories wisely uh, are not going to create uh, event police or social distancing police or th- things of that nature. That would not be a wise resource use of police resources around the country. But the legislation of impact would mean that if a person did fail to observe the 14-day self-isolation, or if an event was organised, that would be contrary uh, once those provisions are put in place to state law. And there'd be nothing preventing, I'm sure, the states from ensuring that that was dated uh, from, from, from Monday but they will be specific details that the states would naturally work together on and ensure as much consistency as possible across their jurisdictions. A few other things that were decided today was about the priorities of of what we must be addressing as a National Cabinet in the days and the weeks ahead. Having addressed the issue of mass gatherings of 500 persons or more. And let me be clear, that obviously doesn't mean, as I said on Friday, it doesn't mean train stations, it doesn't mean shopping centres, it doesn't even necessarily mean markets like Salamanca down in Hobart or things of that nature. These are static mass gatherings where people are together for long periods of time. Uh, For large events, very large events, like the Royal Easter Show, which has already been here in New South Wales, um, cancelled. I mean, that is an event which was cancelled, as the premier reminded us this morning, to prevent uh, people coming from all around the state into the into the into Sydney and potentially being exposed to the virus through through that type of a, of an interaction. And within the Easter show, um, you are together with large groups of people for long periods of time. Uh, so there will still need to be a lot of judgment exercise at a state and territory level in relation to specific events. That will include Anzac Day. Uh, we will be putting out specific guidelines, working together with the RSL about uh, those gatherings and particularly uh, regarding the participation of more vulnerable Australians out of of our more elderly veterans community. Uh, We had a long discussion about what the most important priorities now having made that decision about mass gatherings. The first of those is putting in arrangements and restrictions around the visiting of aged care facilities and the AHPPC is working on that today and they'll be providing us with further advice about how that will work. Um, they are also doing work on remote communities, uh, particularly that is going to affect in parts of South Australia, Western Australia, their Northern Territory, Queensland, especially, and so they're doing some important work there about the, the uh, arrangements and protocols that would need to be in place. Uh, they are also doing work on uh, further restrictions on gatherings in enclosed spaces, and the National Cabinet will meet on Tuesday night and consider that advice. And so I can stand here before you on Wednesday and uh, provide you with further announcements in terms of the uh, further decisions that are made in relation to aged care and gatherings involving enclosed areas. Um, What we also had some wide discussion about today was schools, and I can totally understand as a parent of two daughters at schools here in Sydney, um, that people are naturally anxious about the issue of schools. Now, as the British Chief Medical Officer observed just over the last couple of days, the issue of Um, wide-scale closure of schools it may be anti-intuitive but the advice is this could actually be a very negative thing in terms of impacting on how these curves operate. It happens for two reasons when you take children out of schools and put them back in the broader community um, the ability for them to potentially engage with others increases that risk and that's the understanding we have there's also issues of herd immunity that relate to children as well uh, and Dr. Kelly may want to touch on those issues. Uh, The other issue is the disruption impact that that can have and put at great risk the availability of critical workers such as nurses and doctors and others who are essential in the community because they would have to remain home and look after their children. And so while it may seem anti-intuitive, there is very good reasons why you would not be moving to broad-scale closures of schools. That could actually make this situation worse, not better. And so the states and territories are not moving in that direction. We will consider this again further on Friday at our meeting after Tuesday night uh, to consider further advice on those issues. So for for now uh, the continuing practice which is especially being put in place in New South Wales and Victoria where they've had the most experience of this, individual decisions are made on particular schools based on the cases that are presented there and the circumstances that exist in those communities. And uh, that is done in in conjunction with their state health officers to make the right decisions in those very specific locations. So with all of those matters, I think I've I've touched on all the decisions that we've made today as a national cabinet and as a uh, meeting of the National Security Committee. Um, We will continue to meet regularly. Um, There was a very strong spirit of unity and cooperation, and again, I want to thank the Premiers and the Chief Ministers for their support in bringing together this National Cabinet. It has now been established, formally under the uh, Commonwealth Government's Cabinet guidelines, and it has the status of a meeting of Cabinet that would exist at a federal level, as does the meetings of the AHPPC and, and the National Coordinating Mechanism, which is feeding up into those arrangements. So, some important changes today. There will be more changes in the future, We'll be seeking to uh, forecast those for you uh, as much as possible. Remember, when we're taking these decisions, we're taking them to allow time for people to adopt them. Um, these are not absolute measures that um, if they are introduced today, then that if they were introduced the day before, then Australia was put at risk. That's not the case. What we're doing is implementing these measures well in advance of where they might have otherwise been done. What we've seen overseas with some of the restrictions that you've, you've seen in many of those other countries, they were introduced when the number of cases and the amount of spread in their communities was far more advanced than where we are in Australia today. And so what we're introducing today means we are getting well ahead of where those other countries have been when they've had far greater numbers of cases. So we'll continue to stay ahead of this, we'll continue to keep our head when it comes to this, and we will continue to take the uh, medical advice which will guide what is first and foremost a health crisis in this country. Oh, one last point I should have made is the states will also be considering moving uh, their movement to public health emergency status under their various state arrangements. In some cases, like Queensland, they have already moved to that some some time ago. Uh, The other states are now working over the next few days Uh, to make their own decisions on that. That is entirely a matter for those states and territories, uh, and they'd be seeking to align how they do that over the next few days. And uh, I think that's a a proactive thing they can do and and ensure we're getting on a consistent footing. But with that, I'm going to hand over to Dr Kelly. Thank you.
1: Uh, Thank you, Prime Minister. So uh, there's a a lot of information there. I won't uh, give too much more, but only just to reiterate the Prime Minister's statement that what we're doing, and as we've always been doing throughout this as we've uh, learned more about the virus, how it spreads, the effect it has on people's health, uh, and particularly the issues that are pertinent to Australia as distinct from other countries in the world, um, this is a proportionate response. And so what we are doing is the proportionate response staged and and informed by the information as it progresses. So uh, things are changing on a daily basis. And as the Prime Minister has said, that doesn't mean that it was wrong yesterday. It was right for yesterday. Today is a new day, and the next day will be another new day. We'll have more information and we'll be able to go forward. Uh, The Prime Minister uh, has mentioned the modelling that has been done. It is continuing to be redefined and and, and be more accurate as it goes forward. But it is uh, not the definite future. It is to guide the decisions that are being made. Uh, that the graph that we see on the right-hand side, uh, your, your left, uh, is the graph we see when there is no, a, a new virus entering a community uh, when where no one uh, has immunity against that virus. That is the issue with this coronavirus. It's not like flu. It's not like any other viruses and diseases where we have vaccination. And that important issue of herd immunity that we talk about a lot in vaccination is exactly The challenge that we have at the moment, there is no herd immunity, everyone is is susceptible to this virus in Australia. And so that's why these unusual uh, and proportionate measures that we are taking now to prevent the the worst case scenario, which is that very high peak, uh, is really important. And as we go through, there will be other measures that may need to be introduced, depending on how things work out in the coming weeks or months. What is different about Australia, of course, is that we're not yet in winter. All of the places where we're seeing this virus really escalate very quickly now through other parts of the world are in the Northern Hemisphere. They're in the, in the, in the latter part of their winter months. Uh, they have flu seasons as well. And all of the environmental e- elements that uh, allow viruses to spread quickly are actually there in North America, in China, uh, in other parts of Northern Asia, Uh, and across to Europe. We're seeing exactly what that happened, what has happened there and in particular not taking enough action probably early enough in most of those countries and and we can see the effects on the healthcare system and the unfortunate death rates that we're seeing around the world. In Australia we now have almost 250 cases, that doesn't sound like a lot but if you think back just a week that's quite a few more than we had last week. Next week we will have more. At the moment, it's mostly in relation to travel. And so those new restrictions and, uh, and new measures that have been put at the border in terms of 14 days quarantine for everyone coming back from overseas, from whatever country, is the next proportionate step to take to decrease those travel-related uh, illnesses. Uh, but we are also starting to see, particularly here in Sydney, but also in other, other um, uh, cities and into our regional areas, uh, some human to human transmission in Australia not necessarily related to travel. That will be the next step. More proportionate uh, um, measures will need to be taken as that develops. Um, so uh, these these are uh, difficult times and, and we are and the disruption to to society is very much felt by, by us in the in the health side of, of, of government. Uh, but we are continuing to give our, our measured advice to government and uh, and we're very happy that that's being listened to and put into into account with the other measures in terms of social, economic, and other considerations. And so, Prime Minister, I might leave it there. Thank you, Dr Kelly. You Just
0: on social distancing also, um, that means that the social distancing practices that we're encouraging are being expanded. So, there's no more handshakes. Uh, that is, that is a new move we've moved to, and that's something that I'll be practising, my Cabinet members that you expect to see leaders and others now practising. Um, this was not something that was necessarily a, a, a key requirement weeks ago, but uh, it's just another step up now. It's a precautionary step, and we'll be practising that. Uh, the Cabinet itself uh, will now be meeting more regularly by, a venue, by a, a video conferencing. Uh, rather than all Cabinet members being in the one place, that'll apply to the National Security Committee. The National Cabinet, as it did today, met through secure video conferencing facilities. Um, Leaders and other politicians you can expect to see um, not travelling as much uh, as they were before, not engaging in as many public events. Uh, I've cancelled a number of events for next week. Um, That is just simply to try and manage the, the normal procedure to expect to as we move into this next phase which we've agreed to do today. Um, I'll be working particularly with the Speaker and the President of the Senate um, to look at the, we've already been working on that for some time actually, about the arrangements we'll put in place, obviously consult with the Leader of the Opposition on those issues. Um, we have uh, important work to do uh, when Parliament resumes on Monday week and we can focus on that and get that done. and very practical arrangements can be put in place to achieve that. Questions?
1: Prime Minister, how long will this um, travel, new travel arrangement last, this ban?
0: It's indefinite, it's reviewed every week.
1: How do you, can, can you explain to us how does it work? How do people self-isolate? They come off the, out of the airport, they mm-hmm. get into a taxi, they stay in the hotel room for two weeks, and the Australian goes home, stays in the bedroom for two weeks? That's it.
0: And, uh, and and Australian Border Force will be um, moving over the course of this week to ensure that uh, people statutorily declare that if they're entering the country, that they understand that that is the requirement. What will happen, Chris, and this is what we've seen in other countries that have done this, is that the, the visitor traffic will dry up very, very, very quickly. And uh, it's important that the flights keep uh, running because they're bringing Australians home. I should also note that uh, Pacific Islanders who are on their way home to their home country will be allowed to transit through Australia. They won't be allowed to remain in Australia. They're required to. But otherwise, they have no way of getting home, and that's us being part of the Pacific family and helping them. New Zealand put exactly the same set of arrangements in place for, for, for Pacific Islanders coming home via New Zealand. And the arrangements I've announced today um, are those that were put in place uh, by New Zealand yesterday and they in fact will come into effect at the same time.
1: And will, will, will there be a central database, Prime Minister, that state authorities can access so they know who's been overseas and if they should be self isolating? I just don't understand how it's going to. Be.
0: Well, again, I mean, this has been in place now uh, for many for many months and for over a month now in terms of travellers coming from China and other places. And the truth is the self-isolation has worked out in practice quite well because Australians have followed the, the instructions. And up until now, that has been a voluntary arrangement. Uh, there has been no potential sanction that it might apply against a person for not following that uh, requirement. Um, once state authorities are in a position to... Um, give that its legal enforcement then that will be a change. I mean so if your mate has been to Bali and they come back and they turn up at work and they're sitting next to you well they'll be committing an offence and so I think it's up to all of us um, to ensure that uh, we're ensuring this is put in place. I mean Australians will exercise common sense they have been to date and uh, this provides the backstop of a legal enforcement uh, but the the idea that there'd be uh, significant resources dedicated to that task um, would not be practical. Because remember, when you get an overwhelming number of people following that advice, then you're getting the effect which you want, which is that. What's
1: the penalty for committing the offense of not
0: self-isolating? Uh, that will be a matter for the states and territories under their own Public Health Acts and would other, you other you arrangements. Europe, what
1: that would look like, though? Would that mean fines, perhaps, or yes. even jail-
0: Again, it's a matter for state. Health. It's a matter for state authorities as to what penalties they place on that. The national cabinet ensures that we have some coordination, but ultimately, states and territories will make their own decisions about well, that. Will, will, there to... no,
1: we'll be... Sorry, will there be any screening at borders, or temperatures, or anything like that, or just all yes. no, no, there will be. There has
0: been already and for those, uh, for those, pay- for those persons who, are, who come back and present with symptoms, they will be uh, directed uh, through the Australian Border Force uh, to be given uh, protective equipment. Um, this group that we're now applying this uh, requirement to is low risk and uh, we also do think and the health advice is, is this that to provide uh, PPE equipment to everyone who comes through our airports would be uh, an unnecessary depletion of that resource. We know those resources from our stockpile for health workers, those working in aged care facilities and so on. And so they'll be able to you know, return home. Uh, they are at a low risk is the assessment, uh, but for those who may be presenting with um, some concern or symptoms, and they'll be provided with that equipment at the airport as, as we already are for those who are coming from Iran or those who are coming from China, uh, South Korea and Italy. Well, already the state governments have, have uh, been doing a fair bit of that. And that is a matter that I know will be sort of worked on through the National Coordinated messages which feeds up to the National Cabinet about uh, what experience and best practice can be shared. The National Cabinet, yes, it's making decisions on things like I've talked about today to support with legislation, um, self-isolation arrangements and things of that nature. But the other thing that the National Cabinet is doing is sharing best practice information about how state governments are just practically dealing with whether it's transport or indeed the very helpful discussion we had uh, with both the the New South Wales and the Victorian Premier sharing their experience about how they're dealing with schools. The Northern Territory Chief Minister Michael Gunner has some very specific um, issues that he has to deal with about access of essential services and workers going into remote communities in the Northern Territory and he's already working with us. And so the Northern Territory and the arrangements that are there uh, will become the model uh, for what is done in the remote Indigenous communities in in many other states and territories. So this is a highly collaborative process and we're all learning from each other and all supporting each other. How will
1: social distancing be uh, instructed to schools and kids at schools? Will schools be given specific advice to tell their kids? Will it be up to the schools? How is the social well, the
0: national information campaign is already running and the information will be available to all Australians, but it's pretty straightforward. A metre and a half, we're about a metre and a half away. <laughs> um, ensuring that you, you, know, you refrain from that sort of physical contact, which, where there might be the handshake or even something a bit more intimate, um, unless you're with your close family and friends. Um, it's all common sense. You know, we don't need to tell Australians how to get out of bed in the morning and how to put their shoes and socks on and things like that. Australians understand, and I'm not making light of this, I'm not, these are important, normal, common sense, uh, social interaction measures that people can take. And uh, they are very intuitive. And it's all about reducing the amount of direct physical contact that you have with others. That's a clear principle which I think Australians can understand. And I would expect teachers or, or those at preschool or in churches or or wherever. Um, I know, I I got a message from my church during the course of the week after Friday and they were putting measures in place and good for them. Um, uh, School clubs and others are doing the same thing. It's just Australians getting together, working out how they're going to adjust. See, I I really want Australians to get on with their lives as, as commonly as possible. But there will be disruptions and they will adjust. Australians, of course, can adjust. But what I hope won't happen, and I'm sure it won't, is that we won't lose our sense of uh, of Australianness in all of this. We'll support each other. If you've got someone who's in, in self-isolation, particularly there might be an elderly person who might live in your apartment or down the road, and uh, they would be wisely uh, exercising even greater precautions about their social interactions. Uh, so make them a casserole and leave it on the door. Or things like this, I think just Australians helping each other out over the next few months, you know, in the shopping centre aisle, you know, make sure someone who might be a bit more vulnerable than you can get what they're looking to get as well. And I think just being good to each other is the right thing to do.
1: Yeah, well in your travel arrangements that you yeah. had, chat, I know you said you spoke to Boris Johnson last mm. night, but have you spoken to the other world leaders and specifically the White House? Because we're seeing a lot of
0: cases coming from the US. Yeah, well, that's our major source now um, coming out of the United States. And uh, yes, we have had a lot of interaction with the United States, and we will continue to. The Foreign Minister was only there this week, uh, she's returned yesterday, um, and so we've had a lot of interaction with, with the United States with the UK. The Five Eyes groups in New Zealand, I speak to the New Zealand Prime Minister almost every other day, um, and uh, one of the things I should mention that uh, I spoke to uh, uh, Prime Minister Johnson about is uh, when it comes to the G20. I'm also aware that uh, Prime Minister Modi is keen to organise a, 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 a link-up uh, between all the G20 leaders. I think, that's, I think that's a commendable initiative. Australia obviously supports that and I've communicated that. That's a matter for the Saudi government who is the president of the G20 this year. But uh, the Prime Minister and I agreed last night that an even more urgent meeting that would be needed would be a, an, a further meeting of the G20 finance ministers and central bank governors. Uh, this is a health crisis, but it has very serious economic impacts. Those economic impacts have been clearly affecting financial markets now to date. Um, that has been uh, managed, but we've seen some highly volatile and uh, quite disruptive activity on our financial markets. We want to be uh, assured uh, through our cooperation, as was occurred during the GFC amongst that very G20 group, uh, that we can make sure that there is no... Uh, further damage or undermining of financial markets and the central bank governors and the finance ministers are in the best place to do that. Truth is they only had a meeting a few weeks ago and at that meeting things were at a very different stage as they are today and I think that demonstrates. I mean there's a lot of wisdom and hindsight (laughs) and uh, at the moment um, but what we have to realise is this has been a very fast moving event. Now so far, so far the decisions we've taken has put us in a good position but You've got to stay in that position by constantly making additional decisions, and that's what the national cabinet was set up to do.
1: What do yeah. Sorry.
0: Sorry. When it comes to shopping and, mm. uh, and gathering supplies, what's the advice there? Because Victoria's chief
1: medical officer said 14 days of supplies are required. Um, the federal chief medical officer said this morning two to three days.
0: What is the official advice? Well, I'd, I'd refer you, I understand, to the comments that the Premier Andrews made this morning. Um, the, the medical officer in Victoria, I understand, has been misrepresented in what he said about that. Um, and uh, what you've heard from uh, Dr Murphy this morning um, is consistent with what the view is around the states and territories. But I'd refer you to, I understand, Premier Andrews uh, brought this to my attention today, uh, that, that what was said uh, um, was was... Um, has been misrepresented about that 14-day arrangement. And, uh, I mean, people just should exercise common sense. Um, see, the thing is, the shops are going to remain open. You know, the electricity companies will still be sending the power. The phones are still going to work. The lights are going to continue to come on. The schools will continue to come together. The trains will continue to run. Um, the, the, the airports will continue to function. Um, this is not a cyclone or a, a physical event like that that shuts down parts of our cities, in terms of a physical sense, um, it is something quite different. This is a biological virus that is affecting human-to-human transmission. And so I think we just need to uh, get that into some sort of perspective in terms of how we uh, we uh, moderate our response. The,
1: the NRL yes. though says that it is actually not in that category, That it is in, in danger of being closed down. And they're now asking for potentially hundreds of million in support from your, your uh, package. And is that something you'd
0: entertain? Well, you we'll, we'll, we'll look at all of all of those issues. Um, I understand they've already today. I think over a half a million they've they've put into the clubs. Um, there'll obviously be a lot of disruption, whether it's the NRL or the AFL or um, any of any of the large sporting um, uh, competitions. But equally, in the cultural community as well, there'll be there'll be events that won't be able to go ahead. There'll be cultural events that won't be able to go ahead. Um, and uh, it's it's important that what we're saying on the on the on the banning of gatherings of more than 500 persons, that is going to be supported by state legislation. So it's, it's not an advisory, it's not, there's no discretion, um, there will be a requirement and that has obvious implications uh, for things like insurances and things of that nature. Um, but we'll deal with those issues, one after the other. Right now though, my real focus is on the further mitigations we have to put in place The most important, having made this decision about further isolation of people coming to Australia, uh, that does ensure that we have uh, the strongest borders anywhere in the world when it comes to these sorts of issues. Um, Australia has always been well known for its border protection uh, on all matters, and it's certainly the case uh, when it comes to managing this issue. Uh, But in addition to that, it's also about ensuring that as as a government, we keep taking decisions which keep us ahead of the curve.
1: PM, what happens, or should people who are going on domestic flights be reconsidering that trail? Is a domestic flight one of these static locations that you're
0: talking about? That's not our advice. Dr Kelly, did you want to say something about flights?
1: Yes, so that wouldn't be the advice at the moment. But as I said uh, before, we'll be looking at, at all measures as they go forward. The, most domestic flights are, are generally short, although there, of course there are some to some uh, further destinations which are longer. Uh, but at the moment, there is no advice about restricting domestic travel. Sorry, when you have a look at those, when you have a those, graphs, and the feeling in the community at the moment is one of anxiety. Sure, Australians.
0: Australians should be careful. Australians should be listening to the advice that is provided. Australians should be exercising their common sense. But the thing I'm counting on more than anything else to achieve that outcome rather than that outcome is that Australians be Australian. You now, Australians can deal with this. We can, we can deal with some change to our daily lives. We can deal with the surprises that may come as we get further information. We can deal with making common sense judgments every day. We can deal with looking after each other. We can deal with having to show a bit of patience from time to time and the odd frustration or disappointment. Australians can deal with all of that. And so long as Australians keep being Australians, we'll get, this through, we'll get through this together. Thank you all very much, Tariq.